Hi, I'm Claire Riley and welcome to MS Understood. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in April 2017. At the time, all I wanted to do was get on with my life, put my head in the sand and privately listen to real people's stories about living with this unpredictable disease. I was deep in denial, terrified about the unknown ahead, and I felt really alone. So here it is, the second season of MS Understood. Conversations with experts on multiple sclerosis, people either living with this incurable disease or professionals who can support those of us living with MS. If you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Claire.Riley. And before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that this episode of MS Understood was recorded across multiple lands. I recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is unceded Aboriginal land and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I wrote a children's book so they can understand about what their dad goes through, about the, um, the symptoms, um, about ways that I can manage those symptoms to normalize my life. You know, I'm doing it for them to make, to make them understand that. Mm. MS is a degenerative disease. Today on MS Understood, we chat with Stephen. Stephen shared a story that is all too familiar, being diagnosed as a young man at 16 and how confusing this can be in the formative years, when being a teenager is hard enough on its own. We talked about what an amazing financial support the NDIS is, and Stephen not only receives the support, but works for the NDIS and is so grateful to be able to give back. Stephen shared with us about the book he wrote for his children, and now it's a children's book that can explain this crazy neurological disease. It's called A Conversation About Multiple Sclerosis with My Family, and you can see the link to purchase it in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us on the MS Understood podcast today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Claire, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Yes, thank you. Um, with every podcast episode, I love to share a diagnosis story. So would you be yes. able to share yours with us? I'm definitely. Well, um, Briefly, I was diagnosed when I was 16 years of age. Well, invariably diagnosed because back then, when I was having my diagnosis, we didn't have MRIs. So um, doctors were looking at clinical symptoms. They were looking at uh, more so more so clinical symptoms and lumbar puncture um, results from your cerebrospinal fluid, which is a lot of fun. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, yeah, so because I found the oligoclonal um, bands, you know, cerebrospinal cord, and also through my symptoms, they made this um, diagnosis that I pro- possibly do have MS, but it wasn't until 1991 when MRIs became um, available. Yeah, they did MRIs and they found those uh, MS plaques, if you like. And um, yeah, and I was diagnosed with it, but I had all the symptoms of double vision and things like that. And I was going in high school as well, and I had to wear a little patch in high school. And I was, uh, my parents, because they are migrant parents, um, they didn't really understand what I had as well, and they kept Mm. the diagnosis away from me. So I went through high school not knowing what I had, but I had all these uh, different symptoms and things like that. And um, yeah, but um, I had all that tingling, if you like, um, sensations, muscle weakness to the left hand side of my body. Even now, my left hand side of my body is far more 
weekend, am I right? Um, also had the swallowing issues and things like that. Also, foot drop as well. And um, yeah, so there's a whole host of things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there always is, isn't there? So, um, being like you were sixteen when you had the the kind of like you said, you didn't necessarily get a diagnosis. Did someone say to you, or someone say to your parents, "Look, he's got MS"? Um, well, I had a very good neurologist, um, and um, he did say that uh, it is the symptoms are very akin to. Those of multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. However, um, we need to have two separate um, incidences. And I did have that as well. And um, so flare ups, if you like. And, um, and he was 90% sure that I did have MS. And, mm. and he put me on a sort of um, oral steroidal treatment just to be conservative, if you like. Um, with the treatment back then, there wasn't much treatment back then anyway, mm. in the 80s. And, um, yeah, so I think, um, then he's put me onto, um, Abilex, yeah, which is a muscular needle. It's very mm-hmm. painful once a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, a beta interferon, I think, that they put into you. And, um, yeah, so once a week, I said not once a month. Mm, yeah. Um, so when you, like you were 16, mm. how did you, did you, process it when you were 16 or did you kind of just get on with life like I, there a time of- yeah there wasn't much time like I was in year nine and I was having the time of my life in high school I was having my best year I had all my mates in high school and um yeah I was just very keen um sportsman played soccer and what have you and I noticed gradual uh insufficiencies there but I tried to ignore them if you like, because mm. I was living, you know, I was having the time of my life, you know, I was at the peak of my teenage years and yeah. 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 Cause I think that time of life is so confusing anyway, you know, where, you know, teenagers and hormonal and all those kind of things. And then to have a diagnosis like MS thrown in, like, do you even get the chance to kind of understand what that, that means for life. I, I think I was rebelling initially mm. to the diagnosis. I didn't want to believe that I had this. And, yeah. um, cause I was a very feelings visual. Um, and I was still was during the time of the diagnosis. And even though I had these relapses, um, I was coming back to close to normal, if you like. But, um, yeah, I think it was more of a denial that that was happening at such a young age and my wife was still going to steer, you know, the right journey, if you like, meet someone and get married, have a family, Mm. a whole fairy tale script. Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, so, you know, your diagnosis was some time ago. How do your symptoms show up now? Um, my symptoms at the moment, they, well, let's just say um, I have secondary MS now. And mm-hmm. um, the symptoms are 
far more pro- progressed. Like I cannot walk more than say 500 meters these days. Um, also my balance very, very off. Um, mm. my gait is not very natural and, um, also, um, my cognitive abilities have also been impacted. I find my memory and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, mainly those things. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think you're trying. Mm. And I suppose what you've said they're the the most common symptoms that people talk about with MS, and as right. things become secondary progressive, that's yes. they're the the primary things. Do you have any of those kind of cognitive um, issues that people talk about? Yeah, I do. I do. Like I, prior, like I used to be in the pharmaceutical, I was, I finished a, de- a degree in medical laboratory science in university mm-hmm. and for 20 years I was working for leading black pharmaceutical companies like CSL, um, Sci-Pharma, uh, Pfizer, and, um, mm-hmm. I had to stop that work because I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, um. And I transitioned to, um, to the NDIS to help people with disabilities and things like that. Yeah. Right. Them. Oh, so you work for the NDIS? Yeah, I do. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I can give something back, a uh, lived experience and things like that. Mm. Um, now memory is a big issue for me. Sometimes I forget a lot of things, I have to write down things, I have to use certain tools to help me, um, overcome those barriers, if you like. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, and my walking is not very good. So I couldn't do what I was doing previously and walking around the pharmaceutical plants and things like that and getting gowned up sterile environments. You need a lot of balance to get into these, uh, sterile garments, if you like, mm. it's a whole procedure. They've got to use aseptic techniques, minimizing contamination, what have you. So yeah, it was very, very um, structured, but I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Working for the NDIS must be super interesting. Do you also receive NDIS support? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that, I mean, obviously we all know that that's an amazing financial support. Do you, what sort of supports do you use with that funding? Okay, I use um, physiotherapy supports to help me with my uh, muscle strength and also use the supports of an exercise physiologist. Um, also use supports for a, um, a gardener around the house to help me rotate mm-hmm. my garden. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously I think for people with MS, they're the most common that we get yeah. support with. I, like I've said a million times is I wouldn't be walking still without NDIS support. So oh. I'm so grateful that we are able to access that. Yeah. NDIS, I mean, it's, it was a remarkable thing that Julia Gillard legislated back in 2017 mm. to provide all this, all the Australian community. Um, and I think it shows that we're a progressive nation. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, we're very inclusive. Yeah. Able to support people who have a disability, no fault of their own, if you like. Mm. 
Now, you've written a book about living with MS and it's for um, kids with parents who have MS. Is that correct? Well, I wrote it for my children. So Yeah. And um, because my children were always asking me, Dad, when you always fall over, what are you always, you know, your balance is not the best. And, and, and oh, you know, you know, why does it take me so long to eat your dinner and this and that? <laughs> and I'm saying, kids, you know, it's not that I want to, it's because I've got this condition called MS. Mm. And I said, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to write you a book. And I did that. I wrote a children's book so they can understand about what their dad goes through, about the, um, the symptoms, um, about ways that I can manage those symptoms to normalize my life. You know, I'm doing it for them to make, to make them understand that. Mm. MS is a degenerative disease, yes, but if you are able to focus on good exercise and good well-being, you could live close to a normal life with that. Mm. Mm. You know, how, how old are your kids now? My son's going to be 10 in June and my daughter's going to be 16 in July. Yeah, wow. So have they read the book? Yes, they have. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Share with us how, how, what's it called and how we can find it. It's called A Conversation About Multiple Sclerosis with My Family um, and how they can find it. Um, they could contact me and mm -hmm. I can provide you with my details. Uh, mm -hmm. Or they can also buy it online on bookstores, on Booktopia and on Dimix bookstores and things like that. Yeah, great. Um, have you had like, um, you know, obviously you're not the only parent with kids who have live lives with MS. Have you been able to get the um, story of your story, I suppose, out there so that people can use it as a as a resource for their kids? Well, I have approached the NDIS mm -hmm. and uh, putting in um, a training um, segment for MS with my lived experience mm -hmm. for local area coordinators to understand the disease better so mm -hmm. they can understand their clients better as well and how they're Although I've spoken to MS um, Society and mm -hmm. I've shared my story with them and I've been very grateful. And um, I won a scholarship and actually got the gold scholarship mm -hmm. with my book. Yeah, wow. And they um they, they were very, very happy and they provided to some clients of theirs who are one who have who have parents and who have children as well. So we can share that story with them. Yeah, great. Oh well, and if people want to find uh your book, they can um it'll be um linked in the show notes so they can find your information in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, tell me about how you live day to day. You know, you're working, you've got kids, you've got all these appointments. How do you manage your MS okay. best day to day? What I try to do, I get up early and I um, try to, because I'm most active in the morning because I've got the most energy in the morning. So I do most okay. things in the morning. Um, so I'm helping out with um, their breakfasts, helping out um, maintaining them. And my wife is a great resource. I'm very blessed to have my wife who supports me so, so much with everything. Um, that's, a, that's a big help for me. 
And um, what I try to do, I'm just trying to schedule things uh, with my phone and say tips what I what I need to be at certain times, set alarms on, and things like that. Just so you can sort of make sure that I do remember that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, working for the NDIS. Um, Recently, I've spoken to my area manager and um, spoken to them how difficult it is for me to drive in every day and have you. And through the help of MS Society and the occupational therapists there, um, I read a letter and they actually allowed me to work four days from home, which mm. is a huge, huge um, benefit for me, mm-hmm. serving energy and longevity, if you like. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, use a few, um, aspects of, um, a few things from other people to help me out with MS and my working environment as well. Mm. Just create awareness. That's what is cool. I think absolutely. And we've all really got to find the best times of the day for me again, like you, it's the morning where I'd try and do as much in the morning as I can, getting dinner prepped or, you know, organising, like you said, lunch boxes. And I don't do preparation in the night. As soon as I get to sit down at the end of the day, it means that, you know, morning for me is the best time. So, yeah, yeah very much like you. And we've all got to find the best way of organising and planning our days. I'm sure. very obsessed with my Google Calendar and everything goes into there. Otherwise, okay. nothing would ever get ever get done um yeah 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 absolutely um I have a few questions I love to ask everyone um when we start to get closer to the end of the episode the first one is I mean given that you've been diagnosed for for quite some time I find this I'm looking forward to hearing your answer do you feel like you've come to accept your diagnosis and what do you think helped with that um i I've accepted my diagnosis um, and I'm aware that my MS is not due to my poor um, practices in life. It's just mm. something that's to do with my genetics and to do with um, other environmental factors that we still are not sure about. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, life, it's like a roll of a dice, you know, people are granted great genes, great, you know, through no fault of their own, they're given a bad roll of the dice, if you like, and mm. just got to play the game. That's what my book's about as well. Yeah. Books about, yeah, great. That's, that's what I'm educating my kids as well, about resilience. Mm. Uh, life is not the same for everybody. Everyone's different. And you just got to go with um, the capabilities that you have throughout life and try to empower yourselves ways where you see that your strengths are not great or not as good as what they used to be to sort mm. of reach your goals you need to set yourself goals um and yeah and put things in place to make those goals mm. yeah and absolutely so, and so yeah I'm, just, I'm not a victim i don't play the victim yeah right? i mean life's too short to play the mm-hmm. victim because you're wasted yeah. and this mm. life's got so much nice things to embrace as well. I mean, I've yeah, got a family. I've, I've got a loving family. I've got you know children, my wife. You know, I've got good friends. Mm. And what I try to do is I try to eliminate 
people that are toxic, you view life in a different, through a different mm -hmm. lens. Like they view life only as a material thing about possessions and what have you. I'm not interested in that. Mm. I just like to give people um, avenues, pathways to make their lives better. That's all. Mm. And I think, I mean, obviously, we you know we've mentioned, but you were diagnosed so young. So do you think that it's so hard to know, isn't it, how MS changed and impacted on your life, given that you've kind of been living with it for your whole adult life? Yeah. yeah. But do you think that? having MS from so young has really given you the opportunity to learn about obviously resilience and, um, you know, creating good boundaries and, um, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing from really early on. Yeah. Well, a little secret, Claire, when I was um, finishing year 12, I was going to become an engineer, but I had that curiosity. I wanted to find out more what MS was. So that's why I went to medical science rather than engineering. Mm. I learned more about the disease. And so that helped me understand it better. Um, helped me understand that with the right management of your life, you can still live a good life. Mm. And, um, and I think um, resilience is a big thing, Claire, in the sense that if you've got the right supports around you, you can achieve anything in life. You can move mountains. Mm. Um, you, you spoke about um, management. So, you, you know, from it's interesting to hear from a medical perspective or from a ph pharmaceutical perspective. You know, you've obviously chosen to be on a medication. You mentioned earlier that you were on medication. From a pharmaceutical perspective, I would assume you would be quite confident in the medications that you're being offered. Have you also looked at, you know, you speak about life management. Have you also looked at kind of other areas in your life that like a holistic view of how yeah. to manage your life? What other things do you think you do? And, and again, it's like, it's hard to know because you were diagnosed so young, but what other things have you focused on throughout your life that you think have positively impacted on your MS? Okay. Um, like going to sleep at a reasonable hour. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I like, I usually go to sleep before nine o'clock I'm in bed, mm -hmm. so getting a lot of rest. Um, also just your interactions with people and reading books and it helps me relax things that make you relax and, um, just doing some exercises throughout the week. Um, that also helps me maintain that strength if you like, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also I'm a very spiritual person too, Claire. Um, I do feel that um, life doesn't end here, that um, it continues. And um, that gives me a hope that, you know, there is always a better tomorrow one day. Mm, yeah. What is one thing you wish you'd known earlier on in your diagnosis? Okay. Earlier on diagnosis, um, people were saying, do not do too many things, you know, do not do too much exercise. Do not do, or we're very, you know, putting you into a, a um, a lot of cotton wool, you know, can't, mm -hmm. you can't do that. You can't do this. So let's don't understand much about the disease or so, being very, very cautious. Yes. But, um, I wish earlier on I had 
implemented a more active uh, rehabilitation program in the Bangalore. They were just resting, mm. sleeping, what have you, um, to mitigate all those um, sequelae that were occurring in my life. Um, also, um, dealing with uh, more embracing people earlier would have been great as well. Yep. Mm. I think I've spoken with a couple of physiotherapists, um, neurophysios and that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. they all recommend connecting with a physiotherapist almost immediately after diagnosis yeah. so that you can just start or maintain kind of that that journey, I suppose. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really... So that, that, that never happens to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't happen to me either. So, yeah. um, you know, it's something hopefully we can help with other people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What is the best thing to have happened to you because of your MS? Okay, the best thing is me meeting my partner because mm. it actually, actually look for different things in people, look for people's sense of care and, uh, you know, I didn't care what the person did, just as long as they were a good human being. Mm. I... I'm very blessed that I found a very remarkable person in my life who's helped me, supported me throughout life. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine it would have been tricky getting through, you know, like dating with MS. Oh, you know, did you have yeah. to, were you at a stage where you told people straight away? Did you have to tell, you know? Um. When I was dating, I concealed it. Yeah, right. More so because I wasn't very serious because I didn't feel I met the right person. But when I mm. met my wife, I told her yeah. the second date that I did have MS because yeah. I didn't want to stringer along and have you. But she was very, very, she, she just accepted it. And she goes, no, nah, I'm, I'm here for the long, long haul. What's mm. that? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And my last question I love to ask everyone is what is something you tell people to make MS more understood? Okay. To explain your lived experience with other people, friends that you trust and things like that. And um, also if you're in the workplace, I know the workplace is a very sensitive area, but Mm. see if you can speak to your manager or what have you, if you're finding it, having problems, what have you, MS. be honest with them, tell them that you've got MS and see if they could help you out in that sense. Because I'm, I'm finding a lot of people build barriers and um, they should be more open with, with their, mm. their partners, with their workplace or wherever they are. Just be honest and just share your thoughts with them. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen, so much for sharing your story with us and telling us about your book, which I'm hoping will be able to help others with kids who are trying to, you know, navigate that do we tell them, do we not tell them, and how do we tell them kind of situation. So there'll be links to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. Thank you for having me. It was a a great pleasure talking to you.